This is Hawaii Rising, a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund. I'm Suyuno Amos. I'm Kenji Cataldo. Today we're sharing a second conversation with Kyle Yoshida about Honua Scholars, a group aiming to empower Hawaii students pursuing STEM careers and to ground STEM practices in Hawaiian values. Last year, we spoke with Kyle and his co-founder, Maverick Abella, about their motivation for starting Honua Scholars and heard about their own STEM mentors. Look for episode 15 in our feed. In today's episode, a conversation we recorded last November, we're hearing from Kyle again about developments in Honua Scholars programs. Awesome. Okay. So we're having a conversation again with Kyle Yoshida of Honua Scholars, which um, if you haven't already, go listen to episode 15. That was our first episode with Honua Scholars. Um, and now we are checking in to see what's new. Um, Kyle, you want to just uh, give yourself a little introduction and um, give us some updates on where Honua Scholars is at right now. Yeah, so hi everyone, I'm Kyle, and I'm currently a PhD student at Stanford studying mechanical engineering, and me and a bunch of other of my classmates from high school and also from college and graduate school, we wanted to create Honua Scholars as a way to bring STEM closer to the lives of everyday people and especially to be more literate in STEM and use STEM in our everyday interactions and decision-making process. So we did a few kind of grand idea new things. Well, I would consider grand idea things this past year, one of which was our first annual Laulima Symposium. And it was just a really great event where we brought in people from the community and we had some intellectual science conversations, but also conversations around how we can change and do things uh, in the community using some parts of science. Yeah, and just going off that, like our, it's, I think it's our third year now. We were created mid-pandemic and we're starting to have more in-person events which is has gotten really good engagement and attendance and it's really fun to interact and meet with students and teachers and like general members of the community and we've also had people who hold public office show up to some events so it's been really great to see the larger impact that we're trying to get towards by now that COVID is ending and we're seeing a lot of these new demographics start to slip in that we originally wanted to interact with. Yeah, I really uh, enjoyed the the Laliama Symposium in August, and it was super fun for us to be able to um, to be there and participate and see what that was like. And, and yeah, and seeing uh, Kaika Hele as a as a guest speaking, uh, and to meet also some of the mentors that you'd mentioned in the past episode, like Mr. Tate. Uh, and uh, uh, Lelamia Irvine? Yeah, Kumu Lelamia, who's a professor at West Oahu. Yeah, yeah and I wonder, could you just des- describe what that event was like in, in more detail for um, for people listening? 
Yeah, so we wanted to take a spin on our traditional science conferences and try to kind of have a conference that is still brings up science, but in a way that's digestible towards everyone. And also looking at how people who aren't from a science background or who have a career that might not be in STEM to also use practices in STEM. So we had a few different parts of the symposium. Free dinner was also included, which is like always an awesome part. Um, but it was great. We had like a networking bingo session where we had a lot of great feedback where people got to meet new people. They got to, we pulled facts from uh, random sign up forms and people learned about each other's career paths. And uh, they even met people who are kind of different than them and learned how they can reach out to if they're interested in a new field. Uh, after that, we had a few, we call them Honua highlights, which will also end up, will feature on our Instagram, on our reels, so that they'll also be accessible to anyone who's interested. But our Honua highlights kind of gave a two to three minute highlight of different students' work, um, different professors' work, or uh, different clubs around the state of Hawaii, what they do. We had an NSF program director just talk about their own work. And it was interesting to see involvement, not just from people in Hawaii, but we also had it running virtually. So we had about 100 people in person and uh, like between 40 and 50 virtually, and then a bunch of people watch it after asynchronously. And it was really nice that you have levels like students coming, teachers, parents, NSF directors. We had David Hijirita, who is the president of Acorns, which is like this huge investing app that is literally like almost gonna IPO. And we even had Kai Kahele, who is representing us in Congress, but kind of bringing all of those players together and kind of like showing us that we all can practice STEM and perseverance and use it in a way that benefits society. And uh, one of the, another component of the symposium, of course, was this design thinking session. And it came kind of out of Stanford's design school methodology where we look at different ways to ideate prototype design and kind of need find different paths on new inventions or ideas. So during that activity, everyone just broke up into groups and we went through that process uh, really quickly in an hour. And we all came up with new ideas on how to create new changes and design new tools for Hawaii. And it was interesting, there are a lot of new ideas and like topics for how we could look towards sustainable energy, uh, changing our recycling habits to minimize pollution from landfills, uh, how to handle tourism or promote ecotourism. And it was interesting, again, because there's a lot of students who have are interested in STEM, but it's also looking at 
how this plays a role in the larger policies that exist in the state. And it was also good to then also have that representation actually from that at the same table. And that was the really the big goal of Honua scholars mid-pandemic to both promote this larger systematic change, but also have students see that they're STEM or they can pursue STEM in a way where they can benefit the community. And uh, also people who don't pursue STEM, how STEM plays a role in making new decisions. And it was just nice to have that event because it was a great time to meet everyone in person. And it showed us that like this kind of vision that we have as an organization is actually holding some weight. Yeah, I think it's really um, exciting that you're going to be able to do this event annually. Um, and you mentioned that like part of the idea for it is to, uh, you know, kind of in, in reference to traditional kind of science conferences, uh, kind of wanting to present science in a way that would be more digestible and more approachable to everyone that's in attendance. And this might be kind of an obvious question, but I wanted to ask you um, why you feel that is important to present science in a way that can be more digestible to people. So I went to a workshop uh, a few years ago and they were teaching me how to write scientific abstracts. And literally... One of the things that the person running the workshop said was, try to use as much jargon as possible. And I was like, whoa, what? okay, okay, interesting. So there's, sometimes you read papers and then one of the words that can be simplified, whenever you see the word utilize, almost 99.9% .9 of the time you can put in the word use. And it's kind of like you're just fancifying your language and making it overly complex. And I think that one of the problems we have is that we try to, I'm not going to say we as a field, I don't represent everyone, but I think sometimes uh, some people want to portray themselves as like having a certain background or stature and it can kind of create boundaries. And it's, it's a, I'm bringing up something that I hear back in high school, but it's a Kako thing. It's like a we thing. Like we're all involved in uh, creating science because the science that scientists and engineers practice will affect everyone. So therefore like we should try to make work digestible to everyone and also practice kind of citizen science where everyone can also contribute to our work. And I think in my personal line of research, I work with kind of haptic devices and it's really part of this code design process, which is built deeply in my field. So sorry, haptics is about like human computer interaction, but it's really important to me that I understand the user, I understand how they can interface with different technologies and you come and meet the need of the user, but you have to approach it as meeting the need. And I don't, and a lot of times we don't always approach and meet that need and it can leave people alienated or wonder how we can use science in our daily life. Um, 
And of course, one of the biggest inspirations is Bill Nye, the science guy, who kind of is like, science is cool. And then they're just like, look at the ball dropping, but we can apply like a ball dropping and first principles of gravity and apply it to like how to create lift on an airplane. Um, and I think it's the building up of concepts and seeing how everything interconnects. And I think that's why it's important to ensure that science is accessible to everyone. And as some philosopher said, the truth shall set you free. And if everyone can understand how to go about problem solving, not just about scientific questions, but about questions in daily life, like, oh, like, should I wear a jacket today? Like, it's an iterative problem solving process. Is it too hot? Is it too cold? Like, you can use inference and hypothesis testing to just get through life. And we can also look at political issues the same way where it's like hypothesis test this and this, like, do we need more housing? Oh, should we support local farmers? Like, how can we move different levers or variables and get our desired or the best output? I like the way you were just explaining that about, um, that decision-making process for should I wear a jacket? Because it seems like what you're saying is that these kinds of thinkings that in STEM people are practicing in a very uh, kind of explicitly laid out, you're specifically laid out way, right? In a very rigorous way. It's actually mm -hmm. what people are already doing in their everyday lives. Um, and it, this may be a, just kind of a, a way to be more aware of what that process is and how to improve it and do it better. Yeah, I think it... Uh, touches upon kind of our our ancestors uh, practice kilo or like keen observation and it really plays into a role that like even without interacting with the larger system you could sit and observe and like observe the environment see what's happening and see what you can do to harness certain elements how you can catch fish when there's fish there or you know how you can use tools and materials around you to affect change so yeah i think it's a common thing that we can apply i agree it's great so kyle tell us what else is new with honua scholars yeah so we did a a little bit of restructuring so uh we're trying to roll out um, more strongly this year, our proposal competition. Um, so last year we had a handful of applicants who wrote different kind of scientific proposals on how they can see STEM play a role in their community. And we're, we're looking at accepting proposals all the way from as young as sixth grade all the way up to 12th grade. And we'll actually have them uh, hopefully present at next year's symposium. And the point of these proposals is part of that crowdsourcing where in having someone write a proposal, it helps to formalize a sort of scientific or engineering design method towards a problem that they actually see in their community. And my, my like dream with this is that we have every single student in the entire state kind of submit one. And I can like go up to the governor's office and be like, here's a stack of 2000 ideas that our Kiki have. And like, 
it's really cool because you're crowdsourcing the problem, but you're also crowdsourcing different solutions. And I think it's really interesting to see that. And something unique that Honua Scholars is providing is we have a bunch of graduate students and college students who uh, always volunteer with us. So each person who submits something, we have people who give individualized feedback, like, oh, this is a great idea. Oh, I know this organization who's working on something similar. You should reach out. And I think just in terms of creating that network between a student and someone who is actually on a STEM path and creating a connection and being like, oh, yeah, this other community organization is working on it. You should reach out and volunteer. I think that's a really powerful thing that we can try to get to by the end of kind of our program year this, yeah. Yeah, that's such a cool opportunity. Um, uh, and, I, and I love how you're talking about using this as a way almost of a, I don't know if you'd call it science organizing or something, but of, of getting this input from all of, um, you know, young people across Hawaii and then being able to, to take that to um, people in government to say, you know, this is what the this is what the next generations want to see, right? And this is, these are the ideas they have. They have the solutions too. That's super cool. Um, so, what is the timeline for that? Uh, for submissions yes. for that process. Cool. So we're still finalizing um, the different prompts that people will have. Uh, we do have a common prompt that's open. That's from last year, which is still posted on the website, but um, that prompt will still be there and we'll add a few more. But essentially it's open now. Right now our deadline is set for May and people can submit earlier than that and we'll try to like get feedback earlier, but you can only submit once in the cycle. And we'll also have, we also run mentorship sessions with workshops. So practice presenting and also like editing things. So well, we're actually willing to work with students on these and it's not just a black box submit something. So it's a collaborative process in even designing these. And so um, it'll, there's one prompt out now, it'll firmly roll out January and then you'll have until May to submit. And then we'll hopefully have you present at our next symposium. We'll have a few finalists. And there's also cash awards. So people should definitely submit that. Uh, we had some support from uh, the Pacific Asian Center for Entrepreneurship at University of Hawaii, who was willing to sponsor some award funds. So it's also a good opportunity. And I really encourage like every single student and like hopefully if you're a teacher listening to this, try and have your students submit it because um, after talking to like these organizations, it's like other businesses and companies are willing to fund our own ideas and research. So the more input and participation we have, the better it will be in future years for everyone. And are you able to share what that prompt is that is out right now? Yeah. So our current one is just, uh, Talk about where you can see STEM improve Hawaii. That's pretty much the problem. It might be a little bit worded differently, but it, it leaves it really open-ended. And we have a few, few examples to help guide students through that. 
So um, last year we had someone talk about uh, looking at different native bird species, for example, and having people like go out and listen. And it's just a proposal. So like, we don't know if it'll work, but it's all these good ideas. Like, well, people are trained to listen for certain birds all over the island. And then you can create kind of a database. Um, some of our examples is like, what type of bacteria exist in beach showers? Like, and you, someone proposed like, oh yeah, just collect bacterial samples and then you can like kind of culture it. And what I like about our program, which sets us apart from like the other science fair programs that exist in Hawaii is that uh, with us, it's just a proposal and you don't have to execute it. So we understand that some schools or some students might not have the resources to do a full experiment. And we don't want that to limit your imagination. Cause uh, like, yeah, it's just money should never limit you in the realm of education and academics. So we kept it as a proposal so that people could just spill whatever ideas they have in their mind and allow us to work with them on it. I love that about creating a space for people to dream really big, to have these, these visions that aren't constrained by the resources they have on hand. I think that's such an important space to create. Um, and speaking of this, I mean, it's something we talked about when we first spoke with you and Maverick, but I'm curious to hear now, you know, another another year into Honua Scholar's history, just to hear you talk a little bit about Honua Scholar's vision. Yeah, so of course, as times change, visions can change. But one of the things that we kept steady is that we want to see, uh, we want Honua's, our vision is to create uh, STEM leaders in Hawaii. And part of that is working with the Native community and promoting more STEM education, but also in terms of getting STEM literacy out to people who don't necessarily want to major in STEM, and then also getting that entire ecosystem to work together. And so in the past, we've worked with like one-on-one -on -one tutoring and one-on-one -on -one mentoring. And we found that this mainly helps students further their path academically. So one of the changes we made this year is that we're moving towards more towards group settings because we actually found that it's also this networking aspect where the students can mentor their peers. So when people find out about an opportunity, like their peers are like, hey, come do this with me. Come do this volunteer activity with me. And we actually found that a lot with our Laulima Symposium, where we asked students to get up to a mic in front of 100 people they don't know and give a two-minute talk. And it was like, oh, I did it because my friend told me to. And, you know, so it's like the students are also pushing themselves and that's what we want to see in the community like like other peers pushing us to become better and that's one of the changes in our group mentorship and it suits our kind of vision where we want to see this leadership where people help guide each other and learn about the opportunities together as you were sharing that um it made me think about how you know 
you and Maverick, who we've spoken to before, who I kind of think of as being, you know, in charge of Honua scholars kind of, but it's, it's nice because you are of the age or of the same generation as a lot of the people that you are holding these events for. And so I just had a a thought of like, yeah, Honua scholars way into the future when you're a lot older, like that there will need to be structures in place possibly, um, for, for, yeah, just the, the leadership of Honua scholars, I guess. Yeah, that's a great point. So I woke up one day and I was like, whoa, I'm getting old. And one of the things that I thought of after that was like, you know, like, I feel like because I went through a lot of things and like people for five years younger are kind of going through something similar, I feel really well suited to help. Um, But as I get older and I go off and go into my industry job or become a professor, who knows, like, I won't always know how to relate to students. And one of the things that we're actually doing is we're working closer with uh, a few students who have participated in our program and they're trying to reach out to other people at UH and we're trying to find other leaders to kind of take over certain parts of the programming. So actually this year for our workshops, we have kind of, our team is kind of coordinating the logistics, but we're actively trying to find other people who want to run different sessions. So if you are a student, then please let us know because we can give you the materials and supplies to run a session, have a meal together, and teach people about what you learned from your experience. And I think kind of that handing off of the torch is a really important aspect. And of course, I could stay around and run logistics, try to uh, organize funding accounts, everything else. But I think on the ground, on the like the ground running work, it would be really nice to have other students come in and also participate on the volunteer side. And I have to say, um, when we've reached out in the past, like our most recent symposium, out of the people who are on our core staff, like it was probably only about half of our actual volunteers and the other half like pitched in a few weeks before and they said, oh, how can I help? I'm only an undergrad at UH. Like, I don't know what you guys are like planning on doing, but let me just be a part and help. And so it is happening and I see it happening even more moving forward. And I'm really excited to have more in-person events because food can be very enticing to people and it'll be great. So yeah, thank you for bringing up that I'm old (laughs) or getting older. (laughs) Well, I think, I think we all are. Um, But that's super cool to hear about this, um, the way you're thinking about really uh, capacity building for younger for younger students and building them up to then be able to run this in the future, you know, saying we will offer you the supplies and materials. That's that's really cool. I think of Honua Scholars continuing to renew itself and and um, and in the process, kind of um, uh, another level of I think empowerment for all of the the people that are participating, not just to advance their careers, but then to also become mentors for those following them. It really is a full circle thing. Like everything comes full circle in life. Like 
everything's connected. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, seeing that that succession, that's cool. So, you know, did you have any other questions? I guess maybe if you could just share about, you know, how, again, how people can get involved or get in touch with you folks. Yes. So you can go to our website, honuascholars.org, and we have a sign-up link, and it's a very quick sign-up form. I think it'll take you less than 30 seconds. Before, we had a really long form that asked you, do you want to volunteer? Do you want to mentor? Do you want to... We streamlined it, filled out that form, and we'll contact you when we have different things. Also, feel free to just email us at honuascholars at gmail.com if you have an idea or want to get involved or you have a recommendation on a seminar speaker or a workshop, because we can work with you to make that happen. Right now, our kind of email list audience is nearing like the the upper threshold on what do we use constant contact or whatever the service is they're gonna start charging us because we have too many subscribers which is like such a cool problem to have sorry <laughs> a little like off track but um it's just it, we worked really hard to create a network and a community on this big email list so we can use it and you can interact with a lot of people um, also, the proposal competition, also go to honuascholars.org, um, and there will be a tab for that if you're interested in participating there. And I think one of the things is, like, if you're not at all interested in STEM or education, still hit that button, because we'll often have seminars or we'll have our annual, annual symposium where you can just meet and chat and get free food. And it's okay, well, I mean, I won't say it's okay for everyone, but it's okay for a few people to just come and bail because I'm pretty sure we're going to do something cool that will want to will make you want to stay. So I'm willing to say just come for food and walk out because I know we'll be able to keep you there. Uh, we've had a lot of people who come in and they're like, oh, this is for like only students. And then they come in and they're like, oh, wow, this was actually really insightful. And in their exit survey. So I think it's a great opportunity. You never know what'll happen. Just try just try to come to one of our events. It'll be great. Yes, the, the food at the symposium was good. Highly recommend showing up for the food and then being inspired to stay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kyle, is there anything else you want to share with us today before we close? I think that's all. I just want to thank everyone who's been a part of Honua Scholars. So oftentimes people are like, oh, good luck to the scholars. But when we created the name, we saw everyone as a scholar. And it's Honua is an acronym helping others navigate, understand, and achieve. And it essentially embodies that role of mentorship. And we're all mentors. We're all one big community. And uh, our organization wouldn't be possible with uh, the help of both of you. You both helped us in so many ways. And Hawaii People's Fun, uh, different people from the University of Hawaii, and all of the different kind of places where we got funding or little gifts to hand out as prizes at events. And I'm just really moved by the community support that we've had. And 
I want to keep it going and do more for you guys. So just reach out, honwascholars at gmail.com if you think that we could help you in any way. Perfect. Thanks so much, Kyle. Hawaii Rising is a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund produced by me and me with additional support from Mickey. Our theme music is Revolutionary from the band Ukla the Mock, written and sung by Mickey Hui Hui. A big thank you to our community supporters and to you, our audience, for listening. Ahui ho! Dim spending done